You are listening to Her Guided Evolution, a weekly podcast created to help Black mothers be consistent with their self-care and take daily action toward well-being. I'm your host, Shanice Jones-Cameron, a mom of three, wife, and PhD student. I created the show to connect you with tools and resources to help you commit to a healthier lifestyle, manage stress, and prioritize your personal growth. Now, let's start the show. Hey, welcome back. This is episode 19 of Her Guided Evolution. And for today's show notes, you can go to herguidedevolution.com forward slash episode 19. So today I am going to be diving into a topic that is going to require me to be pretty candid about one of my, (laughs) what I would call my toxic traits. And when I say toxic traits, I mean, we all have them. Those are things about ourselves that have the potential to harm ourselves and negatively affect other people that are around us if we aren't mindful of them. And I don't think I'm a terrible person or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying when I say toxic trait. But I'm using that term because I am making an effort to do this work of self-reflection. Because even if you wouldn't describe yourself as a perfectionist per se, which is what I'll be talking about in this episode, I think some self-reflecting, introspection, and being honest about the things that you struggle with can just help you live a more full life and improve your emotional well-being and relationships because you are putting in the work and trying to actively do the work of healing and I mean that's what this podcast is about it's working on your well-being your healing evolving growing as a person and I think it's important that I disclose some of what I deal with. I'm showing up here every week and doing the self-reflecting and sharing my story because I'm trying to model what healing and growing and prioritizing your well-being looks like. Healing and being committed to your well-being journey, it's it's messy. It's not this straightforward process where you decide to be different and you just sail on to your new life and your new identity without like conflict and obstacles. It's recognizing those hard truths and fighting against your bad patterns, learning to accept things about yourself first so you can eventually change them if you want to. And honestly, like it's feeling like you improved in one area only to realize that you have a whole boatload of other issues that are just waiting for you to unpack. And that's what brings me to this episode of this week. I just feel compelled to talk about my struggles with perfectionism because even though I don't often admit like how much I've grown, I recognize that perfectionism is still an ongoing battle for me, but I have improved a lot. (laughs) So my struggle with perfectionism has been years long. And if I'm being honest, I know it comes from some of my childhood experiences of not being or not feeling like I was good enough, experiencing a lot of criticism. But I think I really noticed my perfectionism in undergrad. Um, so that was about, oh, child, like when I started undergrad, that was like 13 years ago at this point. And essentially, I still struggle with perfectionism to this day. <laughs> And perfectionism has just been a part of my identity for so long. And I've identified as a perfectionist so much that one of my old screen names back in the day was Perfectionista. Like, 
that's how deep like my journey with perfectionism has been and so I come to this episode with the recognition that perfectionism is something that is and probably will be an ongoing journey for me and when I say perfectionism I want to be very clear about what I mean because I know a lot of people kind of throw around the word perfectionist as a phrase that means oh I just like things to be perfect and I like straight lines and for things to be organized and I like my room to look a certain way and I have to do everything so that it's aesthetically pleasing or whatever and yeah that's part of it I guess but I think perfectionism is deeper than that and the way I'm defining perfectionism in this episode is striving to be perfect in one or multiple areas of one's life. And this desire for perfectionism is often rooted in a fear of criticism, be it from other people or ultimately yourself. And according to Psychology Today, perfectionism is actually a personality trait. And they say, quote, perfectionism is driven primarily by internal pressures, such as the desire to avoid failure or harsh punishment. What makes extreme perfectionism so toxic is that while those in its grip desire success, they are most focused on avoiding failure, resulting in a negative orientation, end quote. And I will link that in the show notes. Whew, honey, basically that is a word, okay? That is a word <laughs> because I can relate. And the Psychology Today page that I'm referencing, they make the distinction between an adaptive perfectionist and a maladaptive perfectionist. So an adaptive perfectionist can be a good thing because it comes, it makes someone like have a set of high standards for themselves and they work hard to achieve their goals. But when that's taken too far, they call this maladaptive perfectionism. And that's when the person is driven by fear of failure overly critical of themselves and others and they set unrealistically high expectations for themselves and have a desire to be perfect and I know for me like I often have unrealistic expectations and standards for myself because I am trying to avoid criticism from others in some way but most importantly I know for me it is more so I'm trying to avoid that self-criticism and I could be so harsh and critical of myself. So let me like give you an example to like show you exactly what I'm talking about. So back in undergrad, which is kind of the time where, like I said, I kind of pinpoint a lot of my perfectionist issues just started to manifest a lot. Political science was one of my majors And I had a 4.0. I mean, I had all A's in political science, which was one of my majors. I double majored in poli sci and English, but I had a 4.0 in political, in all of my like political science classes, I had A's until I got to my very last class, which was constitutional law. And I got a B. When I told you I was crushed, Like, I remember being so disappointed in myself that I could not maintain that 4.0 in my major. And that negative voice was just kind of going on and on about how I wasn't smart enough to get an A in constitutional law and all this other BS that really does not matter. And that was my perfectionism or my fear that I wasn't smart enough or good enough. And it just kind of manifested itself as perfectionism. And this idea that if I can only be perfect and high achieving, that this would be evidence to others, but honestly, mostly to myself, that I'm worthy and I'm smart and I'm enough. 
And if I'm being honest, thinking about that B in Conloff, like this was what, like a decade ago at this point, almost not quite, but kind of maybe a decade ago. Thinking about that being con law, it still stings a little bit when I think about it. And like, I know it is ridiculous. In fact, there's this running joke between my best friend and me. And like, this was like either back in high school or undergrad and we were talking. And I don't even remember exactly what I was dragging myself about, but I was being like super critical of myself at the time. And I remember like stopping in the middle of this super hyper critical rambling about myself. And I was like... I'm probably being like too hard on myself, right? And she goes, yeah, girl, Satan wouldn't even be that hard on you. (laughs) And to this day, we still laugh about that because this perfectionism, like as a personality trait, it often shows up in ways for me and my experience that are so obvious to other people, even when I'm trying to like hide it and mask it. So another instance, like I remember again in undergrad, like I said, this is when like my perfectionism was extra bad, honey. But I remember again in undergrad, I went to my one of my professor's office hours and I went to get help with a paper and I think it was my like my junior year. And I was asking all these questions because I had gotten a B on a paper and I wanted to know what I needed to do, what I was missing, basically trying to get an A because that's how I rolled in undergrad. And he eventually stopped me and he was like, so I'm guessing that growing up you had a parent or someone else who was super hard on you and you developed this need to be perfect somewhere along the way to avoid criticism. And when I tell you I was stunned because I was in therapy at the time, this was like around the time where I first started going to therapy and my psychologist at the time had already given me some worksheets about perfectionism without me even using the word perfectionist to describe myself. So here I was again thinking I'm just showing up as a studious committed student and I have this professor basically telling me like, girl, I see right through this. I see right through you. This ain't it. And sadly, I have so many examples of people recognizing that I have these perfectionist tendencies, despite my best efforts to like mask them as diligence, attention to detail or whatever. And my perfectionism is absolutely connected to my anxiety because, you know, anxiety is like pretty much a response to fear and uncertainty and obviously I'm not a psychologist or a therapist or anything I've just been in therapy a long time and long enough and I do a lot of reading so I understand how my issues are like deep rooted and connected in these ways and so I'm sharing all of this because if this resonates with you at all I want to share some of the ways I've been working on addressing my perfectionism because like I said I've improved a lot I mean, I'm not where I want to be as far as, quote, overcoming perfectionism. That's why if you notice the title of the episode is not overcoming perfectionism. It's, you know, this podcast is about evolving and growth and, you know, just trying to do a little bit better. (laughs) But I am here actively doing the work of healing and trying to move forward. So I'll share a few things that for me, like represent doing the work of trying to heal from perfectionism and just kind of getting to like understanding like where some of this is coming from so my first suggestion is to do what scares you and make an effort to let go of your expectations so one example of this for me was when I was retaking the GRE and going back to grad school and I've probably referenced this story before because 
that kind of represents like a turning point for me. But the GRE, if you don't know, it's kind of like the ACT or the SAT. It's a standardized test that you take for grad school instead of like undergrad. It's like the SAT and ACT. And I remember I just had so much anxiety about taking the GRE. Like I used to cry every time I had to study for it the first time I took it. And like I pretty much tanked it. Um, I had this whole narrative about how standardized tests are biased against minorities. So I can't do well even if I tried. And just as a side note, like research does indicate the standardized tests can be biased um, so much that some graduate programs are actually eliminating it as a requirement at all. Um, But focusing on the fact that I'm a minority, so I can't do well on this test that at the time was pretty much and kind of still is pretty much required as part of your graduate application. Like focusing on that is pretty much like antithetical if I was, you know, since I was trying to go to grad school, that wasn't like a helpful thought to be focused on, period. But, you know, I digress. But getting control over my mind and deciding that I was going to retake the GRE, even though it scared me and it rubbed against all of my like fears and fears of failure, that was one of the first actions that I like consciously took that started to chip away at my perfectionism because it was getting to like the... Like my current therapist often used to, uses the phrase like the root. It was something that got to the root of like my fears of what was causing this perfectionism, which is like a symptom of the deeper issue, which was like my fear of failure. And so the GRE gave me the opportunity to be okay with my best, even if it wasn't perfect, like that retake. And I'd finish my GRE study sessions like that second time around. Like I wasn't crying or anything by the time I started studying again. Like I'd finish those study sessions with my little GRE books and I would just be like, whatever, this is just something I have to do to reach my goal. Like, uh, I just don't really understand this. So I'm doing my best. Like it forced me to let go of those feelings of perfection and understanding everything because and my desire to understand everything because I was more focused on just doing the best I could rather than getting some ridiculously high score. So those expectations just weren't as present that time. And part of me knew that whatever, um, there's no way I'm getting a perfect score on this. So just let me do the best I can and hope that the rest of my application will, you know, carry me through. And it did. Like I'm now in the third year of my PhD program. I finished my master's degree a couple of years ago. So, you know, it really wasn't a thing. So if you struggle with feelings of perfectionism, in my experience, you just really my recommendation is just do a whole lot of stuff that you are avoiding because you're afraid to fail like don't think about it just kind of take the leap like try to as much as you can get experience and normalize feeling the fear of not being good at something and having to figure it out so going for things that scare you like I know like that's that's not easy it's a lot easier said than done but it really can in my experience help you normalize that feeling that pops up for you of not being perfect and potentially being criticized and having to grow and if you're inexperienced at something you just kind of have to expect a learning curve and just manage your expectations of what that is going to look like if you're doing something for maybe let's say the first time and honestly this podcast is another example of this like I know I'm going to look back at some of my earlier episodes where I'm still in the earliest phases of figuring this out and realize like oh my editing was actually pretty trash here and I didn't make sense when I said that (laughs) 
but managing my expectations because I am embarking on something that scares me and is new for me challenges my perfectionism and gives me the opportunity to grow. So that's how I've kind of been looking at that. And kind of similar on a similar point, another recommendation I have is to put yourself in situations where some measure of failure is just inevitable. And again, for me, grad school, being a scholar in general is an area of my life where failing, rejection, embarrassment is is just kind of inevitable. And this journey, me now being in my fifth year of my graduate studies, um, I'm a third year PhD student, this has prompted me to grow intellectually, but also on a personal level. Like grad school is... I think probably the single most experience that has helped me with my perfectionism and it has been painful and it has not been easy by any stretch of the imagination. And one thing about grad school and being a scholar, like you, you are just, you're just going to get some, some not so great feedback, sometimes some kind of harsh feedback. So as a scholar, part of what you do is you have to submit your papers and research or whatever for publication and submit them to conferences and the people evaluate them and doing this and getting papers accepted is a way to prove that your research is valuable and it's significant to people in your field and an area of expertise and like it's adding to the general body of knowledge and scholarship so when people talk about peer review that's what they're talking about so you're sending your work out to other people who would be who are experts in this field And they're either telling you like, okay, this is good to publish or this is good to publish, but you need to make revisions or this is trash or not a good fit for us. And the people in these roles are called reviewers. And there is like a running joke among academics that reviewer two will just like drag you (laughs) and your work. And it just, it's just like a thing. So (laughs) being a grad student and having to submit what is supposed to be like graduate level work to people who have years and decades of experience and knowledge with like what you're writing about is just going to come with some criticism because in a lot of these situations like as a student you don't know the literature as well as you could know it or the mechanics or some of the assumptions of your field all the time and in my experience you're going to turn in some things that really are trash because you are learning so much and grad school is an experience where you just realize how much you don't know and on top of that like the workload the workload like the workload is just is something serious and as a perfectionist like I want to agonize about every little small detail to make things perfect I want to make sure that everything in my paper is flaw-free, that my references are perfect, and that I proofread to perfection. But if grad school has not taught me anything, I just do not have time for perfection, especially as a mother and trying to go through this experience. Like, believe me, I have tried. Um, Like, I have to turn in things that are below my standards or I'd never turn anything in. And that has helped me work on my perfectionism because I'm getting feedback that says, change this. This is actually not what you're trying to do. This is a straw man argument. This argument is trash for these reasons. All of which I just want to point out, I've received some iteration of over the past five years. And, you know, that's why I just kind of started saying, like, look, my best is going to have to be good enough in these instances. Let me just submit this draft and turn it in now because I know from experience that I'm going to have to make changes and edits regardless of how much time I spend agonizing over whether it's perfect or not. So putting yourself in situations where failure is inevitable and expected and 
it's just one way that I recommend that you just kind of take action and try to heal from your perfectionism. And I just always keep in the back of my mind, like I can't be the perfect scholar because the perfect scholar cannot exist, does not exist. And something about that is liberating for someone like me who struggles with this level of perfectionism. So my last suggestion is to recognize how perfectionism affects other people in your life. And one of the aspects of perfectionism that I find to be maybe most concerning is that as a perfectionist, you're often critical of other people as well and not just yourself. So I'm years into recognizing that my perfectionism has like the capacity to affect the people that I love in the same way that the harsh criticism I subject myself to does. And it's like, even if I'm not like overtly like saying mean things to people, which I try, I'm the type of person where I try to be like very, very conscious of how I talk to people and like try to like, if I had to say like my love language, I would say it's like words of affirmation. So I'm definitely one of those people that's like, Oh my gosh, you're so wonderful. And I appreciate you. And I love you. Thank you. Like I try to be very gracious, but as a perfectionist as well, like having these unrealistic standards even if I'm not like overtly like saying like okay you did this wrong like the the irritation may show up in like maybe more curt responses or like a lot of communication is nonverbal, so it can kind of come out like that and like over the years I have been maybe overly critical of my friends when they fall short of my expectations and this shows up when my husband doesn't feed the kids healthy food sometimes and just for context my family is vegan and we don't ever give the kids food that aren't is not vegan but my husband is a lot more lenient with junk food and candy than I am and so I'll be like why did you give them this or that and I have to check myself because I'm just like girl this is ridiculous (laughs) if they have some Captain Crunch every once in a while it's just not a big deal and I know like it has to be annoying to be on the receiving end of like my perfectionism because I deal with it internally I know like it's trash (laughs) so that recognition that my perfectionism not only has the potential to be toxic for me and that it can also be toxic for the people I love and the people around me because I am also holding them to those unrealistic standards is something that I tend to reflect on and it makes me want to you know just make sure that I'm doing the work of healing and being mindful of how my perfectionism may be affecting other people as well. And I do just want to add here that self-compassion in these situations is so important because all of us have things about our personality or about ourselves that we would like to change. So I think self-compassion is like the first step, self-compassion and awareness. So the action step for this week, I want you to identify and write down or type out any personality traits that have held you back or continue to hold you back acknowledging the issue like I said is half the battle write out how it affects your life how does this trait show up for you in a way that you think and you talk about yourself how does this trait show up in ways that you show up in your relationships and how you treat other people I want you to encourage you to do the work of healing as fearlessly as you can and you're quote toxic personality trait in quote may not be perfectionism specifically it might be avoidance um, a fear of abandonment controlling people so you can feel safe whatever whatever personality traits cause you to feel inadequate and happy or out of control 
Like, I want you to really think about that. What traits make you question your worthiness or your deservingness of love and protection? I just really encourage you to sit with that and explore that. And if you are fortunate enough to have access to therapy, I highly recommend that you do this work and explore this work with a therapist. Because once again, this podcast, Entertainment Purposes Only, is not therapy. Just showing up, doing a little self-reflection and disclosure in hopes that you might be able to relate to what I'm saying. So for this week's introspection, I am in the process of streamlining my brand, Her Guided Evolution, and also like my profile as a scholar. So like I'm redesigning my website, I'm refining my message, and Black moms and our well-being is always going to be like very important to me and something that I consider in my messaging and my work with Her Guided Evolution as a brand. At the same time, I also recognize that a wider variety of people may want to listen to what I have to say. So like I've heard from some people who are not mothers that they really enjoy this content. So I'll just kind of be expanding that from there. So eventually I'm going to change the intro. I'm coming up on my 20th episode. Like, can't can't you believe it? Like 20 episodes, that's like a big deal to me because consistency is no joke okay um so I'll still be talking about parenting and the experience of being a black mom and being a PhD student at the same time because that's me like that's the vantage point that I'm speaking from but I am also just generally trying to connect with people who want to break those unproductive patterns that they may have developed to cope and women specifically black women who are driven and committed to healing and following their well-being journey and I recognize that those individuals may not always be mothers and I don't want to exclude anyone from this content because that's not what I want this brand in the space to be so I just want to you know, just share that because that's a direction that I'm going to be moving into. So with this introspection, kind of similar to last week, I want to encourage you to honor your desire to grow and change. Don't let anyone try to dim your light or keep you locked in a tiny box as Beyonce was saying at homecoming. <laughs> like recognize your power and your ability to evolve and make the most out of the opportunities you receive and the opportunities that you seek out and the opportunities that you create for yourself. So that is all for this week. Take care and be well. Thanks so much for listening to Her Guided Evolution. Don't forget to grab my free daily self-care plan, a guide that outlines exactly what you can do in the morning, afternoon, and evening to support your well-being. You can grab the guide at herguidedevolution.com forward slash plan. Once you sign up, I'll also send you free weekly emails to help you stay inspired and motivated on your well-being journey. Take care and I'll talk to you next week.